Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode 224. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and with me back again is my semi-semi-permanent co-host, Mike Puck, Director of Business Development at Zega Financial. Mike, how you doing? Doing good, Derek. Thanks to be back. A lot happened in the market these days. Now, nothing happened at all, Mike. It's only been, you know, what, four weeks, five weeks since you and I have been on together, and nothing's happened. Nothing, right? No, a lot's happened, actually. A lot, yep. I'm, I want to start here. You and I did a show, and I'll link to it in the show notes earlier in the year, where we talked about this idea of, is this the year that value outperforms growth? And by the way, the headline there is, no, it hasn't. But the other thing is, you know, we talked a little bit about international. Is this the year that international recovers? And all of the news has certainly been on the tech stocks. We'll get there. I want to take everybody back, though. Mike, the end of last year, when we were looking at, oh, what's going to do well in 2023, we were hearing things like Europe is going into a winter like none other. You know, they're going to be burning chairs to stay warm. Europe is going to be in a massive recession. Stay away from Europe. You know, maybe we'll look at that in a few years. Mike, that hasn't been the case. They were all wrong, right? That's right. Yeah. So a couple things there. First is the value versus growth. You know, that that certainly hasn't uh, panned out like everyone had predicted. But the one story that has, which we did talk about earlier this year, uh, coming out of the ETF conference here in Miami, um, was the international story. Uh, and it's it's done quite well. You know, I think um, we'll get into this a little later, but I think we've seen some major fund flows in that direction. Um, but we've seen the cycles. So just like value and growth and the market goes in phases where growth's in favor, and value's in favor, growth, value, and so on. It's the same thing with U.S. and international, right? There's periods of time where international markets do really well for maybe you know, five, six, seven, ten years. And then um, U.S. markets do particularly well or beat the international markets for a time frame. Uh, the big one that everybody probably remembers uh, is 2000 to 2010. Uh, the U.S. market, really, that's the lost decade. Right? Everybody refers to that as the lost decade. It was not a great year for U.S. stocks. Uh, but if you had international in your portfolio, your portfolio actually did okay. You, you probably did a little bit better than the market. You didn't have that lost decade. You might not have made a ton of money, but you at least made some money in the international markets. Um, so from there, when we get into 2009, uh, kind of come out of the OA crisis, uh, we had a, a really strong run of U.S. stocks, right? Everybody uh, did particularly well the past decade, um, you know, into 2021, 2022. Uh, but now we are certainly starting to see a shift a little bit and at least some outperformance on the international side. Um, and we talked about it earlier this year, and it, and it is happening. We're seeing that. So international stocks have done well, particularly um, uh uh, developed markets. So emerging markets are, are not doing great. And Eric, or Derek, we want to touch up, touch on that, but international developed markets are performing very well this year. I mean, when, when I look at it and I pulled up a chart of the DAX the other day, which is the German index. And in May, it made a high. It made another high. I'm looking at Spain's IBEX 35. And Mike, I know you were looking at that every second, every day, the Spanish 35 index. But you know, I'm saying that sarcastically. You don't really 
see these that often. And it's not quite exceeded the pre, you know, the 2019 high, but it's doing pretty well. And developed markets is, these are older companies. These are more of a value tilt. And I got to say, I mean, there's a lot of financials in some of these. Maybe Europe's financials are doing a little better than the U.S. financials. I don't know. Although certainly you had, uh, what was it? The, uh, the Swiss bank that, uh, that was sort of a forced, forced merger. Um, but, you know, I got to tell you, it, it's, it's a little surprising. And I think it's a good case of this is why you never know. Like the thing you think is going to work maybe doesn't work. And Mike, you know, you've touched on this before, but, you know, you, you sent me a chart. Our audience can't see the chart, so we'll sort of paint the picture here. Uh, EFA, E-A-F-A, Mike, which is what? Developed markets. And that's, you know, a lot of Europe in there, some other things. It was what? Like almost 15 years where the U.S. markets outperformed. And it's a little bit faint on the chart. But Mike, we're seeing some green shoots from international, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So 14.2 years um, mm. that the U.S. market outperformed the international or the put, EFO put some market. Put that too, Mike. Like how, how much was the outperformance cumulatively? Yeah, sure. So 277% actually uh, outperformance over the past, over that 14.2 year period. Um, and, and this is the developer, right? This is so uh, Europe, Asia, uh, you know, these are developed markets. This isn't China. This isn't Brazil and India, things like that. So you really, really had major outperformance. Um, that tends to happen when the U.S. really um, uh, starts to be in favor is you can have big outperformance of 200 plus percent. The last time that happened, it looks like uh, where EFA outperformed was it looks like the early to mid 80s, where you had a, a huge run of international companies. So. Um, I, I think there's a number of reasons for that. You know, people were, were nervous at the beginning of the year with uh, the war that was going on. Uh, you, you know, like you said, like, you know, they're not going to have enough uh, uh, energy and, you know, people are going to freeze to death in their homes. Well, that didn't happen, right? It was a very mild winter. Um, it, it didn't get nearly as cold as people thought and they were fine energy wise. I, I think one of the, the, the interesting things that Germany has done is they're starting to move back towards nuclear, which actually probably helped them significantly. Um, so I, you know, I think Europe, Europe, Asia, Far East, they're doing particularly well. Um, one of the, the charts here I'm looking at too is wage growth and unemployment. And <clears throat> what you're seeing in the Eurozone is unemployment. Uh, let's see, as of March, uh, 2023 is at six and a half percent, which, uh, is particularly low for uh, for the eurozone. So that's a low. So so it's obviously higher than the U.S. at this point, but lower than usual uh, in the eurozone. And wage growth is up. So what you're seeing too is wage growth is up about two point nine percent. So there, that's really good for the economy, right? Low unemployment, high wage growth. Those are two attributes that support a strong economy, and I think that's why we're seeing. Uh, Europe and some of the other developed international countries do particularly well. Mike, I think you're underselling this this graph. And for the listeners, this is the lowest it's been unemployment going back to 1998. In fact, uh, right before, I'll say around 07, it's a little bit difficult on the scaling of the chart. I would say unemployment went down to 
uh, 7.2%. And then in 2019, I think it was, you know, call it 7.15 or something. You know, I'm, I'm sort of making up these numbers, but this is, this is really low. I mean, it hasn't been below 7%. And I would say one, two, you know, last four or five months, it has been under 7%. So that, that doesn't tell me that they're in a massive recession. They're not. Let's just be honest. I mean, everyone who called for a massive recession in Europe, and maybe that's because of the, the heating cost and oil never spiked to $200 like some people were calling for. But yeah, I mean, th- this really is sort of an opposite sketch of what a lot of, quote unquote, you know, pundits, experts were saying, Mike. Yeah, um, you're right, Derek. The unemployment rate is really, it's, a, it's at like a 25-year low uh, in the Eurozone. So very low unemployment rate. Uh, <clears throat> and again, wage growth. I think that's one of the other things that that gets overlooked a lot of times is wage growth, right? That's when wages are going up, right? People are getting raises. And with that money, they spend, put it back into the economy. So I think that's something that really gets overlooked a lot. And I think there's a lot of value in showing countries that are uh, uh, growing wages. Um, one of the other uh, charts that we've looked at here is, is, and this is a little bit more on the EM side, but just growth overall uh, of the middle class. And there's some countries here, and this is kind of mixed in and international. We're going to lean a little bit more towards uh, emerging markets here, but middle class, right? The, the growth of the middle class, um, which <clears throat> right, we, we know when economies grow and the middle class grows, that's usually a very positive thing for the markets. Um, when the U.S. has a strong middle class, the markets tend to do well, right? People are investing, people are opening businesses. Um, Mexico, Brazil, China, um, all 60 to 70 percent plus by 2030. So these are predictions, right, of what we're seeing the middle class do. India, we, we all know that story, right, that uh, some manufacturing is changing from China to India. We can see some growth there as well. Uh, prediction of 79 percent um, uh, growth rate of the middle class by 2030. That's a big uh, increase uh, there. It will help international markets. And I think the story that uh, not a lot of people are talking about uh, is Mexico, right? Mexico can be a big manufacturer as well. Uh, if you kind of look at some of that and, and even some, some clients and some advisors that we spoke to that, that have businesses, um, a lot of manufacturing is moving to Mexico. So that could be a market that p- people aren't really paying attention to that could do particularly well. I looked it up uh, before we got started. And it actually, Mexico this year is up, uh, year-to-date is up 22%. So outperforming the U.S. market and the international markets in general. So that's an area to look at. Again, it's going to help the international markets grow. I think growing to the middle class in, in other countries is going to do particularly well for the markets. Before we move on to uh, a couple other topics, Mike, this is, so on this chart too, you didn't mention it, but I will, 1995, these are the actual numbers. This is from J.P. Morgan's Guide to the Markets. Right, Mike? J.P. Morgan Guide to the Market? Is that where you got this? That's correct. Yeah. So India, yep. 1995, 1% of the population was middle class. Indonesia, 4%. You know, China was 0%. Brazil, 30%. Mexico, 40%. India is projected right now. The forecast for 23 is 38%. You mentioned that. But seven, almost 80%. In the next seven years, go from one to eighty percent, from ninety-five to you know projected two thousand thirty. That's 
that's something to to watch. And obviously, as people join middle class and they they're a little bit stronger, their uh, income per capita goes up, their purchasing power goes up. So that's something to to watch. Uh, Mike, I, I did want to touch on too. Last week, Jay and I were on, and uh, I it wasn't a rant. Well, a little bit of a rant, but it's the idea of. Uh, they had an article and they said, you know, if you have a low credit score and you're financing $43,000 and I went and I told Jay that, hey, why not just buy a, a lower price car? And I said, send me emails. Let me know your car buying experience. So thanks to, uh, to Bill and John, who are listeners to the show. Appreciate that. We always like getting emails. You can send me emails at Derek.more at zegafinancial.com, D-E-R-E-K dot M-O-O-R-E. At Z is in zebra, E is in Eddie, G is in George, A is in Apple. Financials up to you to spell correctly.com. And uh, they say, look, following up on your request for comment for those who recently purchased cars, uh, both of the, both of these uh, these gentlemen have purchased cars in the last six months, year of a you know a 2022, and what they're saying is the dealers are there's basically no haggling, no negotiating maybe got off like $500 sticker. And they said, look, you know, a mid-level, some upgrades was something like 77 grand. And a, and a year ago, a similar SUV was more like 59,000. And so it sounds like that inventory is, is definitely, well, they, they said, you know, maybe there's some not funny business going on. I want, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but Maybe some of the inventory story is it really benefits the dealers. Mike, I went back and I looked at the BLS, uh, had a report, and that's right. They have this, and I found it. It's the monthly labor review. It's automotive dealerships, 2019 to 2022 dealer markups. And what they did was they said from December 19 to December 22, the percent change for CPI for new vehicles, consumer price index, was 20.7%. Uh, the PPI was 7.9%. That's the producer price index. The percent change for PPI for dealership markups is 144%. And let me see, absolute value of percent change for PPI for dealer markups. Yeah, 144%. Basically, that's really fancy way of saying like the markups that dealerships are getting is really high. The amount of money that they make per vehicle sold is high right now. So I guess if you have to buy a car, you have to do it. But uh, maybe if you're like, hey, maybe I'll I'll get a car. Uh, it's, you know, this is a classic game theory. It's all in the dealer's hands right now. Mike, I don't know if you've had any experience buying a car or knowing people who bought cars, but dealers are making money right now. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, uh, you know, looking at year over year inflation, right, you're still seeing 5% plus globally, right? 5.1%. And it actually came down a little bit, 4.7% as of the end of April. So slightly slowing. uh, But cars in particular, you know, I drive a sports car, uh, fortunate enough to drive a sports car. And I don't, if I were to sell it right now, it's obviously used. I, I think I would about break even from where I bought it. Uh, and I know going to the dealerships, uh, they are not haggling, uh, because I've looked to, to trade in my car recently and there was really no breaks. 
The only place you're seeing breaks in this, I think this is a government subsidy, is that is with uh, electric vehicles. Um, new thing that started in Q1, I think, of this year, uh, where they, they, they'll give you a, a little bit of a break if you buy uh, an EV. So absolutely, it, it is. I think it's a seller's market in cars. It definitely, the dealerships are taking advantage of that. And um, if, if you do have to buy a car, don't expect to haggle very much because they're, they're not really coming off the prices. Last time, Mike, I went into the dealership. Now, my, my wife has bought a, a car since then. But I remember going in, it was sometime in 2008 during the great financial crisis. And I opened the door of the dealership and I wasn't even sure they were open because I walked in and there was a lot of, you know, a lot of desks weren't occupied. There was nobody in there. And it was like they were just thrilled to see me. And I don't even remember what I got. You know, I bought a, a, a Jeep Wrangler. I think I got like just an unbelievable deal. It has a lifetime transmission warranty. They gave me, you know, they were like rolling out the red carpet. So not the case right now from what we're hearing. Uh, I don't think I would get that same deal today for sure. But yeah, it's, uh, and that's your comment about being able to sell a used car and break even. Like that's crazy. You drive a, it's a depreciating asset. That's the problem with cars. But you're telling me you could sell yours and basically get your money back, even though you put a bunch of miles in it. I'm sure you're a fine driver and everything. You take good care of it, Mike, but that's crazy. Right, right. Yeah, the car's still in good condition, but I'm, you know, right around where I bought it, right? If I were to sell it, you know, I, ch I checked Auto Trader and um, and I may sell it soon. So, uh, but yeah, it, it is kind of crazy, right? You're able to sell some of these cars at the, about the same price, or maybe you lose a, a thousand bucks here or there. But again, you're, you're driving a car three, four years and you're breaking even, or you're even if you're losing a couple thousand or making a couple thousand, I mean, it's just, just not normal. So, you know, there may still be, I also uh, ran into this at a dealership, uh, which was, uh, they don't have a lot of cars, right? They're actually, they don't have a lot of inventory. So if you do go to a car dealership and say, hey, you know, what can I buy? There's just not a lot of options, at least a couple of dealerships that I went to. So uh, I think, uh, you know, the, the ball is in their court right now and they have the upper hand. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully new cars, um, a new inventory uh, comes in soon and car prices drop a little bit. But if you're looking to sell a car, take advantage of it. If you're looking to buy a car, it might be a time to wait. I think the challenge with EVs here, I'm going to get some, some emails on this one, but they're really expensive. There's still a, a big premium above a regular car. And I don't like it. Are people able to sell a real, you know, like a six year old Tesla? with a, a reduced battery and everything. I don't know how that works. I'll leave that for another time, but do send me emails. We like emails. Mike, I want to ask you about this whole idea of, okay, high beta names, low beta names, chart by, this is from Dow Jones, calendar year, differential return, high beta names. So when we think about beta, a beta basically is you sort of benchmark to the S&P 500 or whatever it is your index that you're benchmarking to. And a beta of one would say, you know, if the, if the market's up 1%, you're probably up 1%. A beta of two means you're moving twice as much as the market, more volatile. But this is pretty crazy. I mean, we're, this is over a 15% difference, the performance year to date, high beta names versus low volatility. So low beta. This sort of I mean, I guess 
value is underperformed growth, so we should expect this. But, you know, this differential is is pretty wide, although I guess it does widen here and there throughout the years, right? Yeah, it's it, we talked about this a little bit um, la, uh, at the beginning of the year is, is kind of the whole value versus growth story and, and how to play that. And it's been a it's been a tough start for value. Um, and, and let me back up a little bit because we are not the only ones that you know uh, talked about how value was was undervalued compared to the rest of the market. So, but with that being said, is values had a really tough start. Growth has been the big winner so far this year. Um, it really has uh, focused on a lot of the big tech names. And, you know, when it gets confusing, what do you do is just play the beta names, right? Is, is try not to bet on one side of the market or the other side of the market. You know, play the middle of the road. And the high beta names uh, and market cap weighted stuff has done particularly well this year uh, compared to value. So, uh, you know, some of the momentum names as well, right? It, I think NVIDIA has really... Uh, dragged up a lot of the ETFs um, and a lot of the market in general, right? The market cap weighted ETFs are, are benefiting from the growth of NVIDIA uh, as well as some of the other tech names. Apple's done particularly well, some of the others. But yeah, it's it's been interesting because I don't think a lot of the market saw growth really having this um, uh, very good start to the year, good five, six months. And uh, it seems like I know we have this AI boost, but it seems like there's a lot of growth to continue on that side of the market. Would you agree? I mean, I, I looked at, I pulled up the, the month to date, and this is U.S. equity factors month to date, also from Dow Jones. And this was June 5th. So we're recording this uh, a little bit earlier than we normally would due to some, just some, some travel and some things like that. But the S&P month-to-date through June 5th was plus 2.3%. Okay, S&P value up 2.3%. So I don't know, maybe the rest of the market is starting to, to catch up a little bit. Now, the high beta names up 3.5%. And we all know, I mean, NVIDIA had a massive jump post-earnings. You know, they say, well, you know, our sales are X. Actually, we're going to sell X number of billions dollars more. But really, it's it's the low volatile names, and they're still up 1.8% month to date, quality up 2%. And so, which is kind of a misnomer, you're like, you know, quality is not up as much. But I think some of these are catching up. I think we're seeing a little bit of the ground up. In fact, earlier this week, we saw the Russell 2000 kind of make a, a little bit of a breakout, and that's been doing nothing so far. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think we could see a little more breadth in the market kind of come. Now, you and I, obviously, we're always telling people we don't try and predict markets. Although we did do a show at the end of the year, giving our predictions is more of a fun thing for 2023. I'll let you know how those go uh, in a little bit. But, you know, we buy and we hedge. And I think I go back also, Mike, that a lot of people were very, very negative on the markets, very bearish this year. And we always say, you know, you buy and you hedge in case something happens because you don't know. You really don't know. And I think there's a lot of money in cash that is, is on the sidelines and, and missing out on this run. But anyway, back to what we were saying, I, 
I don't think value is necessarily done yet. I think we're seeing a little bit of a groundswell and that's, that's what I see from my chair, but you know, who knows Mike, right? Yeah. So I will, I'll add some to the, uh, to the, the, the story of the markets this year, add some context to it because I was, I did a presentation a few weeks ago in central Florida and I, I said, show of hands, uh, you know, who thinks the market's up this year? And maybe one or two hands went up and I said, who thinks the market's down this year? And the majority of the room raised their hands. And I thought it was really interesting because the S&P at the time was probably up around eight or nine percent. Wait, so when was this? About a month ago, you said? This was about a month ago. Yep. And I think what had happened is there's just so much negative uh, talk on, on, on the talking heads on CNBC and, and Fox Business and, you know, people don't feel good about the economy and the market right now. But if you really pay attention, the market's done particularly well this year. It has been more of a growth run. Absolutely. But like you said, uh, Derek, is the value is kind of starting to catch up here. Value was really flat until I would say a month ago. Um, and now it's it's uh, we're looking just this month, right, just in June, uh, Values up uh, to 2.3%. So it, it's starting to come back. It's starting to catch up a little bit. You know, growth really has been the story and kind of dragging the market up. If I look at the numbers, this is as of today, right? Today's what, June 6th. Um, the S&P 500 is up about 12%. The growth market is up about 17 and values up 6 almost 7%. So value starting to make a comeback here. Uh, and so those value investors that have been underperforming, you've probably done uh, pretty good the past month or so. When I look at the fund flows too, and a lot of this, we know that in order for things to go up, you need more buyers and sellers. Uh, it's often one of my my comments and people give me some some grief for it. But in the end, it's like if more people are buying an asset, it's going to go up. If more people are selling it, it's going to go down. And it, the joke there is uh, many years ago, I was on a trading desk, and this is before the internet. And so people would, would call into the trading desk and they'd say, you know, what, why do you think the stock is down today? And I'd say, well, more sellers than buyers. Oh, okay, okay. And I used to say that and people would be like, okay, more buyers than sellers. It's going up. Mike, the fund flows though, when you look at sector fund flows, and this is from Deutsche Bank and EPFR, Haver, technology, and people can't see what we're looking at. But I mean, you're looking at last 12 months, weekly fund flows in billions, in billions. I mean, is this right? Something like 20 billion? Uh, went into like I think about a chart folks that, that we're looking at and all the lines are sort of you know oscillating up and down and some are above some are below zero so if they're below zero they're they're pulling money out like energy is 20 billions come out of energy and 20 billions gone into technology it's almost the exact opposite but this is like a it's hockey sticking it's up and to the right straight up like all of a sudden everyone's like I gotta get in I'm no more energy going into tech, right? Yeah, absolutely. If you do look at this chart, it, it is hockey stick. Um, tech is, is yeah, 20 billion of inflows. So I, I think when you look at the market over the past month, two months, right, all of the tech names have gotten a lot of publicity, right? Apple, Facebook, 
uh, Amazon, uh, Google, uh, and, and especially NVIDIA. And you know, people are following that, right? I mean, I think that's, especially the retail investors, right? They're, they're probably buying now at the highs for tech, uh, getting in a little bit late. Uh, why the institutions probably got in a little early or you know, got in throughout the beginning of the year. So um, healthcare has done particularly well also. Consumer goods has done okay. Um, and then the worst three really are energy, um, uh, financials have done particularly bad, right? Because of this, this kind of, I'd say a smaller banking crisis that we were going through, right? Regional banks have had a, had a really tough time. So you've seen a lot of outflows there. Uh, and even the big banks, right? They're, they've done okay, but you know, they're just they got not getting a lot of positive press. So financials have done particularly bad and the materials uh, too have not done great. So real estate's another big one. I think there's a lot of concerns around uh, uh, commercial real estate and what's going to happen in the future. Uh, but this is a great chart. Right? We've seen a lot of fun flows, technology, healthcare, and consumer goods. This is another reminder, though, of why, you know, we're fans of buying an index and hedging, but specifically being indexed because the index takes care of itself. Like I, people forget how little a percent weighting energy had in the S&P 500. And then you have this massive run by energy. Remember, oil went negative, the, the, the oil futures. And I think I did a show on that. If I can find it, I'll, I'll link to it of why that happened. But oil was negative at one point, meaning if you were able to take a barrel of oil, they would pay you to take it. You couldn't actually do it because it's, it's, it'd be toxic to keep in your house. It's anyway. But this is why you index. This is why you sort of, you know, trying to pick these sectors, stocks, over time, it's really difficult. So if you own the index, it's like you really haven't missed out because the index has the tech stocks. It has the mega cap, uh, caps tech, tech stocks. It has energy. So if energy comes back, you have energy in there. So it's sort of, uh, I always remind people that, Mike, and uh, I think it's a, a good thing to always bring up. Mike, I, I know that uh, uh, you've got some, some commitments today and we have a little shorter time to, uh, to record this. I wanted to, I know besides Florida Panther ice hockey, which I know you've been on the edge of your seat following, I, I kid Jay about it too, but you're also in South Florida. You got the heat. Uh, and it, besides the heat and, you know, your Florida Panthers, uh, ice hockey, any, any recommendations this week? Well, it, it, I'll tell you this. It's been fun to live in South Florida uh, the past few weeks, right? The heat uh, or the championship, and now we're tied up 1-1, uh, and then the Panthers too. So it, I'm, I'm more of a basketball fan than a, than a hockey fan, but it's definitely been exciting to watch both. Uh, but I do have a recommendation because I was on vacation. So no books or or, uh, or or shows this week, but I was on vacation. And if you're planning a vacation, I was in Banff, Canada. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, beautiful mountains up there in the Canadian Rockies. And, and you know, I just got back uh, uh, over the weekend. It was just a phenomenal place to vacation. So if you're planning your 2023 vacation, that could be a really good spot uh, to go, whether this year or next year. But it was absolutely beautiful. Did you say Banff? B-A-N-I-F is that? Uh, Banff. So B-A-N-F-F, -F, Banff National Park. Okay. Is that like north of Toronto? Is that kind of, uh, or Vancouver area? It's, uh, yeah. So um, close to Vancouver, it's in uh, Alberta, Canada. So it's going kind of west. If you think about the Colorado Rockies going up 
you know, you think uh, Colorado up into Utah, right? They're kind of going up into the to the west. So it's kind of northwest part of the country. And not too bad, right? You, you don't have to fly across the world to see huge mountains. I mean, they're right here in our backyard. Uh, and it was it was just an unbelievable vacation. Nice. All right. So there you go. Uh, not quite a uh, an air conditioning repair shop that you've recommended in the past, but we get <laughs> <laughs> mine. Mine this week, uh, by the way, is is the movie Copland, and this is an old movie. It's it's 1997. It was on randomly, and, and I caught it from the beginning. And I I rewatched it, and I was like, you know, this is a really good movie. The cast is Harvey Keitel. Ray Liotta, Sylvester Stallone, Peter Berg, Michael Rappaport, Robert De Niro. Uh, I mean, all, you just, when you see the people in here, Edie Falco's in it, Method Band's in it, uh, Malik Yoba's in it. Like just all, if you look at Annabella Sciori, tons of people that you're just like, oh, these people, I know these people. So this was on again, and it's it's sort of the story of, uh, they call it Copland because a lot of New York City cops sort of live in this town in New Jersey and they got an exception to live outside the city. But Stallone was great in it. He was uh, the sheriff of this little town right across the river from Manhattan. So that's my recommendation this week. Uh, rewatch Copland. I think it's on HBO or one one of those. So there you have it, Mike. Have you seen that one? Uh, you know, I have. It's been a while since I have, but it's it's funny because you and Jay stick to the books in the uh, in the movies or the TV shows, and I'm kind of all over the place. <laughs> Whether it's an air conditioning repair shop, like you said, or, or a vacation destination, so I'll try to keep uh, keep everybody guessing on my recommendations as we uh, continue. But uh, at Copland, it was a good movie. It's been a while since I've seen it, but great movie. Well, Mike, thanks for for doing this. I know. Uh... You had a, we had a little bit of a window and, and you've been following a lot of this stuff. So it's good to have you back on every once in a while. Uh, keep, keep the audience uh, guessing as to who will come on. So, and by the time people listen to this, I, I don't know what game the Heat or the Florida Panthers will be through in the Stanley Cup Finals and NBA Finals respectively. But uh, we'll certainly probably know the outcomes are, are just about by the, the time this, uh, this shows up. So all right, Mike, thanks for coming on and uh, we'll have you back in uh, you know in a few weeks, all right? Sounds good. Thanks for having me on again, Derek. All right, see everyone. Take care.